Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here with my co-host, Lyson Casey. Hello everyone. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Sheba Zaidi, the co-founder of County Wine Tours. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for being here. Um, So tell us, what is County Wine Tours? Sure. So um, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about myself and then sort of pivot into the County Wine Tours. So my name is Sheba Zaidi. I um, grew up in the Middle East and then I moved to Canada about 15 years ago um, to go to college in Montreal. Um, at McGill, I studied PR and political science. And then I kind of was like, not sure what I wanted to do. And so I ended up interning in New York at the United Nations. And then once that was done, it was kind of like, okay, like most international organizations, you know, you need to get your master's. And at that point, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to make that time investment. So I moved back to Montreal and ended up doing a communications degree um, at McGill. Um, so this already sort of all plays into the county wine tours and the skill sets we needed to like launch. Um, so I moved to Toronto about uh, 10 years ago um, and I joined sort of a marketing agency firm called Proof and I was in sort of the health and wellness space and helping brands could sort of build out from marketing and communications perspective and then about three years ago um, we decided to launch the county wine tours and the reason it all sort of came about was um, me and two of my girlfriends would go down to the county sort of annually on a girls trip and we sort of started to notice that the winery scene there was really blowing up and we were like okay this is kind of neat and interesting because you know the county sort of has the third largest um, winery scene in Canada after Niagara on the Lake and the Okanagan in BC but I think a lot of people at that time didn't actually know about Prince Edward County it wasn't on people's radar we what we noticed was that you know there were all these wineries and no real actual tours that we would be interested in doing it was just like stretch limos and obnoxious bachelorettes <laughs> and we're like you know this is not the kind of thing we'd want to do so um we were like okay there seems to be a little bit of a gap in this market and how can we fill it like what's the kind of tour that we would want to do because if we would want to do it that's going to appeal to a whole other market out there and prince edward county is really interestingly situated because it's sort of at the crossroads of all these major cities like toronto and montreal and kingston and ottawa and we're like okay young professionals want to get out there they want to be active So that's how this whole thing came about. So we were like, okay, you know, we want to launch this company, the County Wine Tours. It was a bike tour offering. Like our core offering is bikes. We also do car tours, but we wanted it specifically to be very active and outdoorsy and fun. And Prince Edward County is just an attractive spot because it's great for food as well. So it's just like it and art and and there's sandbanks. So there's just lots of things happening. So it's a bike tour company. Uh, we do smaller groups, so it's super intimate. So it's two to 12 people, max 12. Um, everyone we hire um, is local from the county. And that was a very intentional decision because we wanted everyone who came on the tour to really get to know the county, you know, have facts and stories that were very personal. And I don't know if either of you have been to the mm-hmm. county, but it feels very, very like local. It's yeah. very like you're supporting small businesses. Like it's just a very different vibe from yeah. Niagara. 
and the Okanagan where it feels very sort of corporate and big. And so we knew there was something about it that would be charming and appeal to people. So yeah, so our guides are all local and our tours are set up such that our bike tours um, hit four wineries um, and we do 12 tastings minimum. And um, we also stop at a lavender farm on the way and people can like shop around and have ice cream. But the most um, fun is that we stop at an alpaca farm and people get to see the alpacas and take selfies. So it's Instagram gold. (laughs) I would love that. Yes. Um, So yeah, that's really what it is. It's a bike tour company. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah um, uh, I have family out there, and uh, my aunt runs a small business out there making cashew-based like butters and cheeses and stuff. And so we've had the pleasure of going out there, and it's a beautiful spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely worth a visit. What would you say is the most fun and also the most challenging part of your job? That's a great question. I would say the most fun is unique to my situation because I ended up running a company with two of my best friends. So even though it's a lot of work and often a heavy lift, I think it's different because I'm doing it with two people I would naturally choose to spend a lot of time with. So I think that's really fun. And I think, you know, all three of us, when we started this venture, we kept our date careers and jobs because you know we that was going to pay for the bills but we were all sort of at a crossroads in our career where we'd been doing it for you know almost a decade and we felt that this would be sort of the next challenge but it would also be a creative outlet and we'd be sort of using parts of our brain that like you know you get into a career and you're kind of going through the motions and you know how to do it and and I think this really like pushed us to sort of acquire new skills, which was challenging but fun. And we were kind of ready for it at that point. I would say the most challenging part is what any entrepreneur faces, which is every day comes with its own set of challenges. And you know, when you sort of decide to go into a venture, you know, you have a seed of an idea of what it's gonna be in some kind of roadmap, but that roadmap doesn't unfold that way as we all know. And you know, every day there was something, you know, even when we started, something as simple as insurance became this big thing because we were a first time business owners. It was an alcohol related company. Like there was just so many things and just that piece itself, which we thought, you know, we could shop around and it would be figured out. But it's, you know, it's all about problem solving. And I think um, there's both fun and challenge, but more days than not it's fun for us i think in terms of running a company with your best friends how has that been overall yeah so i i always use the analogy that running a business with friends is like choosing a roommate amongst your friends not all your friends are going to be great roommates and not all your friends are people you can run businesses with and i think all of us were very clear from the onset that we would only choose to do this if it did not impact our friendship. And I actually was very clear about this. I said, at any point, if I do feel that it is impacting, I'm happy to walk because the two girls I was starting it with were like family. But I think what we all had uh, or all shared in terms of characteristics was um, we all knew each other's work ethic. We actually all started at the same agency. I ended up, I'm still there, but they've moved on. So we kind of knew each other's work style. We all brought to the table skill sets that we needed for a business that would be very bootstrapped. So we all brought marketing skills, which for for a business like this, it's all word of mouth. So we all were coming to the table with something the business needed. And I think 
this is probably the most important piece. I think we all are very honest, but have a thick skin. So we're very much able to keep business and personal separate. So nothing that was ever said or discussed or disagreed on spilt over into the friendship. But I, I think that's a unique situation. I don't actually think that all friends can run businesses yeah. together. No, yeah. it sounds like you guys have a really strong relationships. Yeah. So that's great. Mm-hmm. And so for you and your best friends, because you all run it as a side hustle, how do the three of you decide how to spend your time? So, you know, it's actually something we hadn't um, thought about in the beginning. We kind of just all like started and started chipping away. But I think naturally, as the business unfolded and grew and started to scale, we found pieces of it that we gravitated to naturally so you know some of us liked the marketing media piece of it some of us liked the partnerships with the winery some of us liked the more operational piece of it some of us liked the relation relationships we were building with the tour guides and you know things like that so i think we kind of all found our niche i think it's one of those things though when needed we all jump in wherever but yes like it kind of just it kind of was created in sort of an organic fashion. That's very cool. Yeah. Cool. And uh, what's the best way to create rela- relationships with your customers? You know, I think from the beginning, because we know we knew we were going to run it um, from Toronto, and we would have an, a team on the ground in Prince Edward County. So our big thing was who is going to be our team on the ground? That was our most important decision when we were like hiring, because at this point we have 15 employees. So we have about 10 to 11 tour guides. We have an operations person, we have a manager, we have a day-to-day sort of someone who like manages our insane inbox. You know, when it came to the tour guides, one of the things we realized quickly is we want these people to be Uh, people who have lived in the county. So they've all lived in the county between 20 to 30 years. They love the county. They're passionate about it because we knew that deep well of knowledge, but also the passion they have for where they live as tour guides was going to spill over. It was going to resonate. And that's exactly what happened. Like everyone who does our tours, one of the first and like one of the top things we get in our reviews is we loved your tour guides. And that makes the whole experience um, memorable and that makes people come back and that's word of mouth which is like as as a as a small business that's our biggest marketing push right like word of mouth and so I think that's how we've built that relationship with our customers is hiring the right team and hiring the right tour guides because that's sort of that's the sweet spot you know because that's who's gonna have that relationship like we don't deal with our customers day to day and has there ever been an instance where you hired someone who wasn't the right fit and how did you have to handle that situation you know, we've been so lucky. So we're going into, this is our third season and um, we have loved working with everybody we hired. And I think part of it is because when we started small, people sort of recommended friends and family who were similar, who loved biking, who, you know, had an outgoing personality. And I think when we're hiring, we're also very upfront and we're very honest about what this looks like, you know, what are the parameters, you know, what what is our expectation of you and is that something that you want to sign up for? So I think, you know, and I think this is where it helps that all three of us came from a communications background because part of working in an agency, all you do is manage expectations. And so doing that upfront, even in the hiring process, I think has saved us a lot of headache in the long run because, you know, as much as you want them to enjoy the job as much as you want to enjoy them as an employee. And so we've actually been quite lucky not to say that down the line we won't have to deal with something, but yeah. 
No, managing expectations is key for that. That's great. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, because it's a seasonal business, so we run our tours from April to October, I think a lot of people who are working with us sort of like that setup and they're looking for that setup and you know when they find employers they love and and sort of like a business that they enjoy they also have an incentive to stay on and you know what i mean yeah. so it kind of goes both yeah, ways it's give and take definitely yeah. cool um when do you think it's right to bootstrap a business and when is it right to go out there and try and raise capital so i think it depends on the type of business so i think a lot of people when they're starting something kind of have a sense of where they want it to go you know this business for us was very much to when we started it was a side hustle and very much a creative outlet and again we had recognized a gap in the market and there was this a solution to it from our from our point of view um i think um for us it was very much a bootstrapping situation because we had day jobs. We kind of wanted to just, it was almost an experiment because it was our first, you know, entrepreneurial venture. Um, and also because there were three of us, we already knew it was split three ways. And so we were very cognizant of like, do we need, do we actually need this money? And that's every step of the way, that's what we thought about. And after year one, where we actually broke even, which is like pretty, pretty great for a first time business. And second year we were profitable what we realized is we sort of sat down because by the second year we had people approaching us we had investors interested and we kind of said but do we need this for what we want to do do we need this because it's very easy when you have investors coming to you to be like for sure you know but then you're like wait you know let's let's crunch these numbers let's think about what we're making and you know what we realized is because we had our day jobs we actually had the freedom to reinvest the money we were making back in the business and not give away equity. And I think our long-term goal, and we haven't formally talked about this, but I would say all my co-founders are probably are on the same page, is just to sell it, right? Like sell it to somebody, a winery who's gonna wanna like, you know, scale this, um, who's gonna wanna be in it for the long haul, or, you know, have a Niagara similar to Grape Escapes come into the county eventually. You know, it's the third largest wine wine region in Canada and, and kind of run with it. So we've set up our operations such that if a buyer ever came, we would be in a position to yeah, be able to cool. hand it over. You know, for those businesses that want longevity and want to be in it for the long haul and have sort of a brand and and like their own life brand attached to it i think they're likely to be the ones that want investors and you know to give it some runway so you mentioned life brand um are your guys personal brands kind of attached to it or are you more attached to your day job or is it both or just your personal is your personal and your job is your job it's actually yeah i would say it's all sort of mixed up so obviously you know our day careers are all in marketing and comms and i think that naturally attracts well not always but not for us at least it has attracted we're all outgoing and you know our social brand has always been out there even before we started this business and then i think the wine business is one that is fun and out there and lifestyle and i think you know whenever we i talk to people about what i do you know, I talk about my day career and they're like, oh, cool. And then as soon as I'm like, and I run a wine tour company, it's like literally like eyes light up. They want to know more. They just think it's the coolest thing. And it is the coolest thing, but it is obviously like any business, a lot of work. But it's a more natural, I think, extension of your natural brand because it is kind of entertainment and food and, 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 and stuff you would post about anyway on vacation. Yeah. yeah. 
Cool. And uh, what's the best way to handle customer feedback? The best way to handle customer feedback is to engage with it. We have a rule that no matter what, no matter if it's, and you know, again, we've been lucky that most of our reviews are quite positive, but you know, if anyone is ever not happy, you know, we take that very seriously because for us, it's every single customer matters. Um, and that's how you build a good brand, right? Like every person who has spent money that they didn't have to spend at your tour, like that matters. And so, you know, in the situations where we've had someone who maybe wasn't unhappy or, or you know, whatever, we always personally reach out, you know, we send an email or, you know, we, we, we try to understand so that A, it's not repeated, but B, I think the rule in life is people just want to be understood, right? They want to be heard and they want to know that what they said matters. And I think we take that, um, yeah, we take that quite seriously, so. Uh, take us through kind of a typical tour with you. What does it look like? Sure. So obviously it depends if you're doing the bike tour, the car tour, but since bikes are our core offering, I'll sort of talk to that. Really the only difference between the two tours is that in the car tours, we can go to some of the further wineries, whereas with the bike tours, we're more so we concentrate in certain areas so that you're not, you know, having to bike too far. So I would say... A typical bike tour is about 19 kilometers of biking, which just to give you guys perspective is about, it's about a six to six and a half hour tour. And that's about an hour and 15 minutes of biking. Super easy. That's like, you know, over the course of the six hours, it's pretty much a flat terrain with like one or two hills. I would say if you're like average fitness, this is like easy peasy. Um, So the tours start usually around 11 a.m. You sort of arrive. Everybody has this information in their email when they sign up on the site. Um, You go through some of the safety and you get sort of the bikes and the helmets, which we provide everything, and you sign a waiver. And then um, you are basically um, hitting up four wineries. Um, As I mentioned, you go to a lavender farm and an alpaca farm. At one of our partner wineries, there's actually a whole tour of the vineyard. You get to do the, um, and this is an exclusive thing we've done with this partnership. It's not something that everybody coming to the winery gets. Um, You get to see the barrels and, you you know, you talk about the whole winemaking process. So it's really, really um, sort of, you have a full experience. Um, And then, yeah, so you hit up four different wineries and it changes depending on the day because what our tour guides do is always call up the partner wineries beforehand to say, you know, this is this this many people are coming. Can you take us? Because what we want our customers to have is a very seamless experience. So they come to the winery. There's already a table set up for them. You know, the tastings start. Like I mentioned, there's about 12 tastings over the course of the whole tour and we don't want them waiting around so if one of the wineries is like it's going to be really busy today we have many others that we go to um and yeah so it's kind of just like an active wine tour but it's also different in the sense that we take them to wineries with very unique stories we also try to mix up smaller and larger wineries so that like it's just different it's a different feel right like the smaller wineries feel like very local and very just home run and then some of the larger ones you know you might get more of a variety of wines or for example at carlo estate they have the largest limestone bridge um and and you know just like unique little things that we just want our customers to have by coming to us so yeah 
Um, I would think that your customers are people who enjoy cycling and wine. Um, how do you go about targeting those cu those customers, and how do you like get them on board? So you know, if you think about any major city like Toronto or Ottawa or Montreal, you know, there's those young professionals who are you know active and fit and in the prime of their lives, and you know they love adventure and they want to do something different, and they're kind of you know the Niagara region saturated they've done there been there you know they're pretty they have active lives in the city and they just want to get away for the weekend and then wine everybody loves wine you know so it's actually not been that marriage of you know those two things and finding people who love that like I think the biggest surprise when running this company was how little we had to push it to have sold out tours um and I think it's because of you know like I mentioned, wine and, and adventure, but it's also that it's accessible. It's only two, two and a half hours from Toronto. Um, people are always looking for something different. And, you know, PEC, I would say in the last two years has really been put on the map. And I think that's where we had an edge. I think we started the business right before it blew up. And so we kind of went in, we didn't have competitors and we had that like getting an early advantage. That being said, we actually had the idea for like a year and a half before we actually executed on it. And don't sit on your idea too long. Sort of like kind of had that discussion. We're like, guys, are we doing this? Because if we're not, let's just like leave it. But if we are, let's go all in. So what was kind of preventing you guys from just going for it? I think what was preventing us is what prevents a lot of people who have good ideas, which is, you know, there's plenty of good ideas. It's about how long do you spend in that ideation phase? You know, I, th I personally know lots of people and in fact, I've been in that boat. So that's why I give this piece of advice. A lot of people spend so long ideating and talking about it to everybody and even going as far as like creating a logo and starting a website, but they stay in that phase for so long and they, the more they talk about it, the more they delude themselves into thinking they have a business. You don't have a business until you have a product the market needs and you are making money, right? And so I think that is my biggest piece of advice is like, if you have an idea and you and you believe in it enough, give yourself a time frame that's ideation and then just do stuff. Just like start, you know? And I think, and you know, I've been in that same situation, like I said, where you have great ideas and you're kind of just like stewing in it or almost paralyzed by it, just do it and you mm -hmm. figure it out. My biggest lesson is like everything seems more intimidating before you've done it. Like once you're in, you're just kind of like figuring it out and you have to kind of trust that you have the resourcefulness and smarts to figure it out. But I also think and and I'm big on this and I've learned this recently is like it's all about introducing sort of resistance and struggle into your life naturally because we're all going to have to deal with that and I think the smartest people I've observed have sort of figured out that because you're going to have struggle regardless in your life, you should sort of pick what your struggle is. Otherwise, you know, it's going to pick you. And so I've always said, and this is like my new challenge for myself in like the second act of my life is like, I want to do things that are uncomfortable. I want to do things I have to figure out and I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm kind of like just navigating it picking your struggle proactively whether it's running a business or running a podcast like you guys are or waiting around sort of passively for it to find you mm -hmm. you know so i think 
I'm just saying that because I wish someone had said that to me for all the years where I had great ideas and didn't just go for it. And I think once you do it, it gets easier and it has momentum, you know? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, about logistics, because there's so many pieces of your company, what was the kind of the first steps you guys took? Yeah. So I think um, once we decided we were going to do this, we had to have sort of larger discussions in terms of how is this going to run when we're in Toronto and this whole piece is running in Prince Edward County. And I think quickly we realized, okay, we need tour guides we trust. We need people on board that like get our vision and passion. And we were really lucky because one of my co-founders parents actually live in Prince Edward County, who are the people we used to visit during that time when this idea even came to us. And both of them were people who were interested in being tour guides. So they had retired, they were really active and fit, and you know they were like, this is a great way to make money and also just like get out there. And so our first piece was having a discussion with them to be like, this is our idea, are you guys on board? Because the thing is, this would never have even gone off the ground if they hadn't been on board. Because we needed people on the ground we trusted to even think about this. So we did that, and then we started to think about what do we want this brand to be? Like, who are we trying to attract and what should that brand feel and look and, 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 and sort of taste like? And we landed on like young, fresh, you know, so many tour, I mean, so many wine tours, I think even in terms of their branding sort of target like this old school look with the wine bottle and it's like red, it's always red wine. And, you know, it's just, it feels like just, dated and I think we wanted that was our big thing this was going to be the differentiator why is a millennial why is a young professional going to like come across our site or our Instagram and be like yes like this is like they get us and therefore this experience will be reflective of the kind of person I am so we went with certain colors that were just like you know just connoted fresh and 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 young and we sort of built our whole brand around that um, so we worked with a designer and again, you know, we needed to run a business that was low cost to begin with because we didn't want to be putting a lot of our own money in and, and things like that. So and, and that's where having the marketing background was a bit of an edge because this whole this whole business was it was a marketing play. Um, and then, yeah, and then we just kind of once the website was up and we knew the back end and we knew how the bookings would work and we had an operations person and we had the initial tour guides then it was just a matter of like getting the word out there cool um what was one thing that you thought was one way before starting your business but then later found out it was completely different i think pricing structures was definitely something that kind of threw us because pricing is this weird it's this weird concept because you don't know what people value your product at, right? And so you kind of, and because we had no competitors, so we were going in blind. We were like, okay, this isn't Niagara that's like super sophisticated and evolved in terms of a region people know about it and they have competitors. So how do we go into a market that we know is gonna blow up, there's no competitors, and come up with a price point that seems fair for what we're we're, we're offering because you want you want it to be a value like service and and you want people to feel like they got their money's worth and so we really really had to play with that and you know we started off at a certain price point one of my co-founders was like this is way like 
too cheap. And then one of my co-founders was like, no, I can't even believe we're going to be asking them for this amount. So it was just this like weird debate around pricing. And I think we had to basically take some time to figure out how that works and what are people willing to pay to feel like they got, you know, something valuable. And eventually, I think through research and iteration, we realized we actually followed um, what hotels do, which is dynamic pricing. So, you know, if it's long weekend or, you know, certain days or national holidays, you know, you can price it higher because there's more demand and people are going to pay it. And, and, you know, for us, we only need to sell out certain amounts of slots and then we're kind of tapped out anyway. So, you know, there might be a segment of the population that will never pay that. And that's fine. That's not who we're targeting. So we've really landed at dynamic pricing. So our price ranges from 125 to all the way up to 145 depending on the weekend on the day you know is it a public holiday etc so i think that surprised us because you know you kind of think oh yeah we'll figure out what the pricing is but then there's all these variables you don't think about um so yeah i would say that i mean i'm a bit biased to a brand like being on point but how important do you think it is uh, for a business in its early stages I would say it depends on the business. I mean, again, I come from your world too. And, I, you know, it's easy when it's your world to be like, it's so important. Yeah. But I think in our business, it was crucial because it's a lifestyle business. It's, it's, it's not a must have. It's a, if this attracts your fancy, you would do this tour kind of business. Um, so it was very important to us. Mm-hmm. And it was very important to the success of our business. I mean, we went through multiple 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 um versions of logos of 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 placement of colors um and we really sweat those details um but again i think it was crucial for our business because you know our business comes down to you could pick that or guess what you could go to the bike store in pec and rent bikes and go do your own tour like why are you gonna why are you gonna give us your money and i think your only communication with your customers when you don't know them is your brand that's how you speak to them so yeah yeah it was a game changer for us yeah Alrighty, i think it's time yeah. for rapid fire questions rapid fire. <laughs> i'll ask the first ones and then yes, pass it off to you all righty so how do you start your day so i start my day by meditating um, mindfulness is a huge part of my life um, and it's interesting going back to your question earlier about you know would you exit or would you um, sort of keep going with it you know I'm thinking about doing something in the mindfulness space and that would be something that would sort of be like a like a lifestyle business for me because it would be reflective of my own values and something I'd want to do sort of for the rest of my life. Um, so I meditate and I drink a glass of water with sea salt and a pinch of lemon because that's something I learned recently um, from a book called Own the Day by Aubrey Marcus. And he's like, it's the perfect way to start your morning. So. And um, what is your favorite spot in Toronto? So this is a very hard question for me because I love Toronto and I love a lot of different things. I would say it's a three-way tie between Kadampa Meditation Center, which is on Crawford Street. Um, They have great sort of meditation classes and guided meditations and just like, I'm not Buddhist, but like Buddhist teachings and things like that, which for an entrepreneur is is super great because it just keeps you quite zen. I would say I'm a big, I love food like most people. 
um, in terms and Toronto has such a great restaurant scene but I would say my favorite restaurant in terms of consistency is Cafe Nervosa in Yorkville and I love their Capellini and it has never disappointed and then my third favorite spot in Toronto would be sort of film related because I love film and documentaries so Hot Docs and Tiff Lightbox. That's awesome and um, what about your favorite spot in the county? Probably the Drake Devonshire. So Drake Hotel's owner just opened a spot two year, two or three years ago there. And they just have like a killer brunch and beautiful views. And they've just like really, really been intentional about the details in that place. And it's so beautiful. So yeah. That's very cool. And the alpaca farm. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to see that. <laughs> and um, what is uh, your favorite street or what do you think is the best street in Toronto? Hmm. I would say Ossington. Yeah, I just, I love, like, the vibe, and I love Reposado, and yeah, I like Ossington. Best place you've traveled to? Ooh, that is another hard question, because I spend all my money and my free time traveling. Um, I would say two places come to mind. So the most different was definitely Mongolia, just because, so I spent sort of a week up north where um, all the UNESCO lakes and reindeer herders, like Mongolia is the only country in the world that has reindeer herders left. There's like 500, just like so beautiful and green and the lakes were just majestic. Um, but then, the, and then you go to the Gobi Desert and it's just like desert and you're just, and people still living in yurts. So it's definitely the most different and the most untouched. But I loved South Africa. Like, I think South Africa offers people so much from, you know, outdoorsy and safaris, but like wine and great food. And then there's so much history, like just, you know, Mandela and all of this stuff. So I would say those two countries. I think that's a tie with Fatima. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. And um, uh, that said, would you live anywhere else that isn't Toronto? I would always have a tie to Toronto because going back to that idea of connections, like it's just so deep rooted for me here now. And it's been like a decade and sort of an important decade of my life. Like the people and the friendships I've made were not a coincidence. Like I made them because I chose them actively. So Toronto would always have uh, like I would always be based here and or have a home here in terms of where I would live. To be honest, I eventually want to set up a life where, you know, I really can work remotely, like that whole nomadic sort of lifestyle. Um, and I know friends who do it already. Um, in terms of the world, like, you know, living for stints in Asia where your money goes far and, you know, it's a great lifestyle. Um, but within North America, probably San Diego or somewhere warm, um, get away from Toronto winters. Cool. And what's the last movie you watched? Rocket Man. Uh, what's the last show you binged? So here's an interesting thing about me. I'm much more a movie doc person. Um, but probably from a binge perspective, it was Big Little Lies. And I haven't started season two yet. But I thought it was such a genius show. And it was women-led. And it was complicated and interesting and dark in ways you didn't expect. And I loved that. And only six episodes. So an easy yes. binge. What's the last place you got delivery from? Amazon, bathrobe. What is your go-to karaoke song? Ooh. Probably Wonderwall by Oasis. I think <laughs> everyone would answer that. Um, probably also Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think like everybody can sing it, and it's just fun and light. Uh, who's the coolest person you've ever met? The coolest person I've ever met is Barack Obama. Oh, so yeah. I have seen him speak three times, but um, in 20. 
2012, when he did, when he was running for second term, a friend of mine was doing his MBA at Kellogg in Chicago. And so they had selected 100 Kellogg students um, with plus ones that could actually go to this very, very like exclusive fundraiser. Now, just before our fundraiser, he had done that VIP, you know, like couple thousand dollar a plate fundraiser. And then he came to Kellogg and we paid like $100 each and we got to meet him and he talked and it was it was such a yeah, it was a really unique experience. And I'm like forever thankful. But he's as cool as you imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, Who's your favorite teacher? So my favorite teacher was Mr. Lansing, Jeff Lansing, who I'm still in touch with. He was my history teacher in ninth grade and he was he now lives in Alaska. Um, He was such a rebel i think he just taught us from like you know when you're 14 you sort of follow all the rules and you're in school and like you don't want to get in trouble and he just kind of was like do your thing you know and like be proud of that and if you're different that's cool and i i really respected like he was a great teacher but i also respected how he lived his life and allowed us to as well who is the best boss you've ever had my best boss is definitely the boss i have right now vanessa eaton she's just she's just she she leads with her heart and i think she's whip smart but she also understands that it's it's people first and she's sort of inspired me to you know in the future sort of run my current businesses but future businesses that way too which is like your business is sort of an extension of your family and how would you treat your family and it's the exact same way and and i think you know you're respected as a leader not because you're loud and intimidating and powerful you're respected because you have heart and you're smart and you're collaborative and you and you um are you know you listen and i think she really embodies that and i i love that cool all right well that is everything thank you so so much for having us over um and being on the podcast we had so much fun interviewing you so thank you thank you it was so lovely to meet you both it was great being here thank you so much of course We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder. And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until Until next time. time.